Good morning. Welcome to the eight. Happy Sunday. I'm glad to be wrapping up the topic, but I'm kind of sad because it's over. But um, hopefully, we can talk more about women in the church um, at a future time. Today, I want to focus on a specific woman um, that I learned a lot about recently. So I actually prepared this lesson for the women's group. And I felt like when I was trying to find a woman to talk about, I I wanted to learn about someone who I didn't really know a lot about. And I feel like this woman gets overlooked a lot and I feel like she's underrated. So, or, or at least that's how I felt. So I learned a lot about her and I want to, I, I feel like she's the perfect one to end this series with. So the woman that I'm talking about is Mary Magdalene. And what I love about her is she had such an unshakable love for Christ that it made her dedicate her life to him. And we'll talk about that. Um, A couple of reasons that I want to talk about Mary Magdalene. Number one, I kind of like touched on it each week, but I didn't really go deep into it. But I feel like the the issue of women not being priests or not having um, a part in the deaconship is still an issue. It's an issue for a lot of people. It's an issue for women. It's a lot. It's an issue for you know people who have daughters, and their the daughters are asking, "How come I can't do that?" Or how? So I feel like that is a still a big issue, and so I feel like she's a great example to show that not only can you be a a, a forefront have a forefront position in the church, but you can be a disciple to Christ. And we'll see how she was a disciple to Christ. Also, it's very ironic how she was so tormented in her life. And we're going to talk about why. And all it took was for Christ to save her from what she was going through in her life. She dropped everything and dedicated herself to him. How many times does God get us out of things or we pray for something and we get the answer that we're looking for or he rescues us and we continue to just leave him on the shelf for whenever we need him. And and I'm guilty of this. When it's not going great, I am holding on to my journal and I am praying every day. But then when things are going good, I can kind of forget about God and I don't really, you know, need him right now because things are good. So it's very ironic how we see that God is is working in our lives the same way that he did in Mary Magdalene's life, but her reaction to him helping her was far more radical than what we give him. So who is she? Let's talk about who she is. So Magdalene is not her last name. It's not Mary and then her last name Magdalene. So she was born in Magdala, in Galilee. So she's actually Mary the Magdalene. Um, So that's not her last name. That's where she's from. So Mary the Magdalene. Some of her titles include unwavering disciple, myrrh bearer, which she was one of the five women who um, took care of Christ's body. And so she has that great honor and that great title of being the myrrh bearer. 
and also apostle to the apostles, and that's what I want to focus on today. She was actually named by several prophets. She was named by St. Paul as an apostle to the apostles. Does anybody know what other woman in the Bible has this title? Anybody know? Okay, so the Samaritan woman is also called um, apostle to the apostles. Does anybody know what the Samaritan's woman name is Futini yes so that's the other woman in the Bible who also holds this um, this title so her icon um, you'll know it's Mary Magdalene because she's always holding a red egg so I want to read you the story about about this so Christian tradition says that Mary met Roman Emperor Tiberius Caesar at a banquet she held up a plain egg and told him, Christ is risen. The emperor laughed and told Mary that the idea of Jesus Christ rising from the dead was as unlikely as the egg she held turning red in her hands. But the egg did turn a bright shade of red while Tiberius Caesar was still speaking. And then this miracle, of course, caught the attention of everybody at the banquet, and it gave Mary the opportunity to preach the gospel and to preach about the resurrection to everybody there. So that's why you'll see Mary Magdalene and the icon holding a red egg. Another, another thing that you see in the icon is her holding this clay jar, and this is the symbol for her being a myrrh bearer, holding the myrrh and the spices that were used for... Um, the burials and for the body of Christ. So we only know what the Bible tells us about her. So our Catholic brothers and sisters will say that she was the sinful woman. We don't know that she was a sinful woman. We know we do know that she was the woman that Christ cast seven demons out of. So in in uh, Luke Chapter 8, verse 2 and 3, it says, Now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city, he being Christ, went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, the twelve disciples, and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom he had, he had, he had cast seven demons. So we do know that she is the one who um, Christ cast seven demons out of. She was, she was um, possessed by these demons for a while. And she was very, very tormented in her life because of, because of this, um, it, like, because of, what, because of what she was going through. And the, the moment that she was healed of these demons, she left everything to follow Christ because she felt the power of him releasing her from this um, burden that she had. And this is this same power is what sustained her in her ministry, is what continued to help her um, in her ministry no matter what. So I, I just want us to think. Out of all the men, out of all the 12 disciples, even John, the one who followed Christ all the way to the cross, 
Jesus Christ chose to um, appear to her first after he resurrected. And I don't want us to think that this is a coincidence. This was on purpose. And this was to show, to show many things. So this was a very sweet gesture from Christ to appear to Mary Magdalene, especially because he knew how much she loved him. And she knew how much, he knew how much she dedicated her life to the service of delivering the gospel. So in the New Testament, Jesus broke the century-old barrier that existed between men and women that men and women would not commingle together, especially when it came to um, the, the services. So there was no liturgical service at the, at the moment of Christ, but they still had the Jewish service of the, of the Old Testament. And in those services, men and women didn't come together. So if there was a rabbi giving a, a, a lesson or, or speaking, women were not in the audience. And so we know that Christ broke this barrier because he would visit homes of men and women. So one of the example of those is Christ's visit to Lazarus's house. And he sat with Mary and Martha. So he openly broke these barriers of men and women can't not only commingle, but can't have a discussion together. Um, I want to stop here for a second before we continue about Mary Magdalene. And I want to kind of tie in something that we talked about week one. So week one, we talked about the role of the woman and how the role of the woman is to be concerned for the next generation. This is for all women, whether you are married, you're not married, whether you have kids, whether you don't have kids, let's talk about that. If you are, if you can be concerned for the next generation and the upbringing of the next generation by staying at home and only raising your kids, great, do it that way. If you are concerned for the next generation and you can br up, bring up the next generation to love the wisdom, to love wisdom and to love Christ by having a nine to five job, great, do it that way. There is no right or wrong way to live as a woman in society. So a lot of people will say, you have to stay at home and raise your kids only. That's not true. What about if you don't have kids? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just um, call out the music team for a second. Nobody on the music team has kids, but their service to come and to praise and worship on Sundays at the 8, that's their service. And through that service, they can, they can inspire the next generation to get involved. They can inspire the next generation through the words that they're through, through the words that they're saying. So it does, that's why I, I, I want us to, I don't want us to have like a box. Like you don't have to have your own kids. You don't have to do it a certain way. The objective is the same. Your role is the same. The way you do it can look different for everybody. We see this through the example of Jesus interacting with Martha. So what happened was, Jesus was teaching, 
and Mary, Martha's sister, was sitting and listening. And Martha was preparing the food and cleaning the kitchen and getting stuff ready. And Martha comes to Jesus and says, how can you let my sister sit here while I'm doing all the work? Can't you tell her something? And, and Jesus told her, you will have all of these things. You will have time to work and to eat and to prepare all this stuff. But me, you're not going to have all the time. And so he was telling her that you don't, you don't have, in this moment, you don't have to be the domestic giver, the, the domestic housewife right now. There is a time and a place. So he, bro he broke that barrier of having the traditional roles of how a woman should, should act in the household. So there is, no, there is no box and there is no like right or wrong way to do it. Again, the objective is the same and the role is the same, but the way we, we get there can, can look different for everybody and that's okay. Okay, I wanna talk about a few reasons why just some suggestive reasons as to why maybe Christ chose to appear to Mary first, a woman. Reason number one, she loved the Lord with all she possessed. So if you actually uh, read some church fathers um, sayings about her, they actually speculate that she was very wealthy. So, and, and there are verses of St. Paul giving her credit for her using her own resources to help in the ministry. So whether that be financially, whether that be, uh, you know, her giving up her house for them to worship in, we do know that she gave of her own possessions for the ministry. Um, so it wasn't only that she was showing love and willing, but she went over and beyond by giving all that she had. Again, financially, giving of her time, giving of her possessions for the Lord. Number two, her strength and courage. So we know that from the story of the crucifixion, out of the 12 disciples, only one was there. The rest of them were freaked out and they were like, we don't know what's going to happen. Maybe we ourselves are going to be punished. And they were scared and they fled. And Mary Magdalene, along with Mary, the mother of God, and John, one of the 12 disciples, they were the only ones who, out of their courage and out of their boldness, followed Christ all the way to the cross. And she was a part of that. So it shows a great, the great, not only how much she loved him, that she was going to follow him all the way to the cross, but the courage that she had. Because I can't imagine how scary and how unsure things were at that time, but she decided to follow him no matter what. I wanted to give this quote that I read about fear. And this just shows how much she loved him. Innate goodness follows purity, follows love, and does not fail nor demonstrate fear. So because she focused so much on the love that she had for him, she was not afraid. She had no fear to follow him all the way to the cross. 
Another reason is she demonstrated unselfish love. So I want to take us to the cross for a second. So up until this point, she has dedicated her life. She's left all of her riches. She's left her status in society. And she's decided she's going to follow Christ. She's given of her own possessions. And she is fully 100% submerged into the ministry, whatever Christ needs from her. And she follows him to the cross. Do we read anywhere in the Bible that Christ addresses her on the cross? What do you say, yes or no? No. He addresses John and he addresses his mother, St. Mary. But he never says anything to her. And we never read that she was offended by this, she was hurt by this, she continued to follow him. And after his resurrection, she continued to preach the resurrection. So just put yourself in, in, in her shoes. If you dedicated your life to this person, following him all the way to the cross, and then he says nothing to you. She never got upset, she never got offended. And, and actually, her recognition comes later, and until now we still recognize her. St. Paul in Romans 16 says, Greet Mary, who labored much for us. So she did have her recognition. She did have her name to be in a permanent place for all to read. And it, but in the moment, it didn't matter to her to have that recognition. And then lastly, her obedient character. So I, I, read, I read this from a church father, and I thought it was very interesting how when Christ, told, when, when Christ um, appeared to her in the, in the garden after the resurrection, he tells her not to touch him. And she obeyed. She didn't touch him. The contemplation about this is that Christ had to, um, he had to be confident in her obedience that she would listen to him when he told her not to touch him. So I thought that was very interesting because, you know, as a woman, we're very emotional and sometimes we're emotion driven. And so in that moment, maybe she could have like not been able to contain herself and she might have wanted to still touch him. But Christ knew that and was confident in her obedience to obey that he didn't want her to touch her. So the beginning of love is obedience. So again, it goes back to how much she loved Christ and this love really was able to, um, sorry. So this, this love was able to shine even through her obedience. Leave it up to me to mess up technology. Like, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Um, all right. So... Now let's get into the priesthood. Let's talk a little bit about that. Um, 
So I want us again to understand the roles that we have. We can be diverse and still equal, okay? We can be diverse and still equal. On week one, we said, we are all equal in dignity and honor, but we cannot be equal in our roles. We each have our own roles. The woman has a role and the man has a role, okay? I read this by St. John Chrysostom, a fourth century bishop. This is what he says about the priesthood. No man is worthy, no man, woman or man, is worthy of the priesthood. Yet for the functioning of the church, we have a priesthood. It is therefore not a right which one holds, but a burden which one takes upon himself with the greatest fear and trembling. Forgive me for saying this, but sometimes we look at the priest like he is God. Like the priest is up on this high pedestal. And in fact, this is a representation of Christ. And Christ came to serve. So the priest is not a right uh, the, the priesthood is not a right that this person holds, but it is a burden for this person to have such a responsibility to shepherd the congregation, to shepherd the people of God. So no man is worthy of this position, yet we have this position for the order and the structure of the church. Any true servant, any true any person who truly says they are willing to serve in any capacity, whether it be in the priesthood, whether it be in the kitchen, whether it be uh, in the, in the uh, choir, whatever capacity, any servant, whether it be man or woman, has to feel that they are granted this grace to serve. This is a privilege for us to serve in whatever capacity it is. We have to have that feeling in our heart that this is an honor and a privilege. And we are given grace through these services that we do. If we focus on what we cannot have, it's the Eve story all over again. So God told Eve, you can have the whole entire garden, but of just one tree you cannot eat. And she wasn't happy with that. She wanted of that one tree. So we're literally saying, you can do anything in the church except for partake of the priesthood. And, and as women, we have chose to focus on that one thing that we can't have. Or, or partake in, that one tree that we can't eat of out of all the other jobs that we can do. So I, I just want to say this. You can fulfill everything but this one role. You can choose to dwell on this one role and thereby distort God's plan, or we can be like the new Eve, the Theotokos, the mother of God, and seek to fulfill the roles that God has offered us. So 
In orthodoxy, it's not Jesus, but the Father whom those serving at the altar represent. I cannot be a father, but I can be a mother. And that's what we talked about. We talked about being a mother as the, the, the one perfect mother was that came and left us her example for humanity. She was the mother of humanity, the new, the new Eve, the Theotokos, Saint, Saint Mary. So again, I cannot be a father and fathers can't be mothers, but I need to realize what my role is and do it proudly. Be proud that that is my role. So does anybody know what the slogan for Nike is? Just do it. Okay, so I'm just going to tell you to just do it. You want to be a deacon? I'm talking to women. You want to be a deacon? Do it. Come early to the church, stand in the front, and lead the congregation in the responses. When, when like, uh, uh, the priest is not praying by himself. The priest is saying pray, and the deacons are telling us pray. There is a response to that. There are responses. Be engaged and participate. That's what the deacons are doing. The deacons are leading the congregation. You're more than welcome to do the same thing. Do you want to be a disciple? Do it. What does being a disciple mean? Being a disciple means to follow Christ and to preach the gospel and the good news of the resurrection everywhere you go. And even if you don't preach it with your mouth, you can preach it with your actions. And, and I mean everywhere, in the grocery store, in the parking lot, at work, at school. Be a disciple and, and have the language on, be on your lips of how we are constantly speaking about God and speaking about Christ and telling about the good news about the resurrection. You want to be a priest? Do it. As married Orthodox men and women, your home is a church. And it is your responsibility to lead that church in a spiritual way. So you are priests of your home, of your household. So just because you don't wear the black dress or the white dress and you stand in a specific spot in the church doesn't mean that you can't participate and do all of these things to bring up the next generation and to show, show our children what their role is going to be one day because we're not going to be here forever. And they need to know what their role is. Okay, I'm going to leave you with this quote, also from St. John Chrysostom. These women were the first to see Jesus, and the gender that was most condemned first enjoys the sight of the blessings. This gender shows courage the most. And when the disciples had left, the women were present. Do you see the women's courage? Do you see their affection for Jesus? 
Do you see their noble spirit in matters of the world? Their noble spirit even unto death. Let men imitate the woman. Let us not forsake Jesus in temptation. For a fourth century bishop to say, let men imitate the woman. This is a big deal. They showed courage and they showed love enough for them to be put as examples for humanity, for us to have that same care, that same love, that same zeal, that same, same courage for Christ. And like I said, your ministry is to your families, in your relationships, but you have a place in the church to serve. You have a place in ministry to serve. No matter what, no, no matter what you want to do, you can do it. As long as it's not outside the boundaries of what your role is as a woman. Because there are, very, there are still distinctive roles between a woman's role and a man's role. But that doesn't mean that you don't have your place in the church. So I hope over these last three weeks we were able to kind of shine light on the church has a woman problem? Question mark. No. There is no woman problem. We have distorted the original plan that God has for each one of our genders. And so it is up to us to get back to what that clear role is, what that clear vision is, so that we not only keep it for ourselves, but so that we can continue to inspire and make it clear for the generations after us of what their roles are and where their place is in the church. Okay? Thank you guys very much. Um, thank you for everybody's feedback and support and love. I, I love you guys. And just thank you for everybody that encouraged me and prayed for me. I know there was so many people who prayed um, for me during this series. And hopefully, like I said, we can continue to kind of get into our own roles and also let our children know what their role is in the church. Okay, let's stand up to pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, our dear Lord, so much for creating us male and female. We thank you so much for giving us a church that recognizes that we have our roles, we have our places, we have our ministries. We thank you so much for giving us the grace and the ability and the privilege to serve your holy name. We ask that you please help us realize the responsibility that we have to spread the word, to spread the gospel, to spread your love, to spread the good news of the resurrection. Help us live in the resurrection, not only in the 50 days, but beyond, to live the resurrection out in our lives, to help us um, show the love that you have for us, to others so that they may taste of the same love. We ask all these things through the intercession of St. Mary, the mother of God, the Theotokos, the new Eve. We pray these through the intercession of St. Mark, the beholder of God, St. Paul, and all your saints. Hear us as we pray together, thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.